0: And if you happen to be in the Kansas City area anytime soon, we'd love to have you join us for one of our live gatherings to connect with you in person. Again, thanks for joining us today, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. Well, let's get into this this week's message. I will just say this before I get started. It is nice not to be talking to a camera today. It's really nice not to be sitting here looking at a camera, you know, it's really awesome. So I just want, you guys are looking good. You're just, I just love this. This is amazing. So we're starting a three-week series today called Bedtime Stories. And since we have the kids with us, we're going to tell some really popular Bible stories the next three Sundays. And uh, we're going to, hopefully, they'll be able to, oh, I know that, oh, I knew that. And then they're going to, you know, just, it's going to be amazing. So, we're going to cover some really high, um, well known type of Bible stories for this series, Bedtime Stories. And today, we're going to look at one of the first stories in the Bible. So, how many of you have ever heard of Adam and Eve? Yeah. Okay. So we all have a level playing field here. This is awesome. Good starting point. So Adam and Eve, you know, Genesis 1, 2, and then God makes everything. He makes Adam and Eve the first people who ever lived. Uh, They weren't really born, I guess, were they? They just kind of were. They were created. It's kind of interesting, Uh, but that's how God did this. And the Bible says in Genesis 1 and 2 that God made everything perfect. Now, how many of you know that that's not how things are anymore? <laughs> right? Yeah. That lasted literally about 12 seconds, and then everything fell apart. So God made everything wonderful, beautiful, and perfect in His design. And then something really terrible happened. That's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 3, looking at what we call the fall of man, or really where sin came from, where sin originated. So we're going to start out in Genesis 3 verse 1 and kind of set up the scene here. And what we're going to look at today is really a three-step strategy that Satan used in the Garden of Eden that he still uses today to try to get us to fall. Okay, so that's what we're going to look at today. So Genesis 3 verse 1 is where we're going to be at as we start out this morning. It says this, The serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. One day, he asked the woman, let's stop there for a second, so he, who is he, really? It's a serpent, but who is it, really? A snake, a snake. yeah, Satan. That's why serpent starts with the letter S. Did you know that? That's not really why I just made that up. Anyway, yes. Yeah. <laughs> In the in the Hebrew, no, no, no. I'm just kidding. So one day he asked the woman. This is Satan speaking to, the, to Eve. Did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden. The woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. Who knows what tree that is? What is that tree called? Any kids know? Yeah, the tree of life. Anyway, so you got it. Okay, cool. The adults knew. I was just waiting for the kids. So the tree of life is the one they can't eat from, right? So here's what happens. God said, you must not eat it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows that your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. So again, what we're gonna see in these five verses and a couple verses following is this simple three-step strategy. So this is what we call the fall of man where original sin originated from, okay, is in this moment in Genesis 3. Satan used this three-step strategy that he still uses today, and we're going to look at what that is so that we can be prepared when this same sort of event happens to us. And if you've lived long enough, like you know, like, I don't know, 20 years or more, uh, at least, you probably know exactly how this goes. So we're going to look at it today. So what we're looking at is how Satan tries to get us to fall, Simple three-step strategy to be aware of. The first way, the first step in this, uh, decept- in, in this uh, strategy is he tries to deceive us. The first step in this three-step strategy is deception. Another word for that would be lie. Satan lies to us. He is so known for this one character trait that Jesus later on calls him the father of <laughs> Of all lies. That's a pretty terrible moniker to have, but that's what Jesus calls Satan, the father of lies. Lies originate with him. And look at what he does here. He tries to be sneaky, he's deceptive in his deception. That's how multi layered this plan is. Because he says, Did God really say? So he doesn't just come and make this outlandish statement, he asks a simple, innocent question to, see, to put seeds of doubt in Eve's mind Did God really say? So he comes innocently with this question. His question, though, is a faulty question. It's an incorrect question. He says, did God really say not to eat of any of the trees? Did he say everything's off limits? And Eve's like, well, I don't, I don't think so. But now that you say that, let me think about this conversation that we just had like five seconds ago with God. I forgot already, you know. Uh, and so he says, did God really say you can't eat from any tree? And Eve's like, well, no, I'm pretty sure he said uh, we can eat from all of them but the one, okay? So that's, that's not what God said at all, but that's how he comes at us with, usually with us as well, with questions. Then he gets to the outright lie. When Eve makes this statement of truth, no, God said, we can't eat of this tree. If we do, we'll die. Then he comes out with an outright lie. He says, no, 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 you won't die, God's just jealous if you become like him, knowing good from evil. He wants to be the only being in the universe that knows everything. And if you eat from this tree, God knows that you'll know what you don't know. He doesn't want you to know what you don't know, so he wants you to not eat of that tree. That, God's just, he's really scared of your potential here, is what he's saying. And, uh, but it's an obvious lie, right? I mean, we know that because Eve's already said the truth, and then he just says it again, another lie on top of a, a lie. But Satan works the same way today. He's very deceptive in his deception. Because maybe you've heard some of these arguments about your faith. Maybe someone said, you still really believe that? It's the same type of question that we have here in Genesis 3. You really believe, like, this ancient book? Like, you still, like, you're that simple-minded that you're really going to believe what's, what's there? You can't rely upon that. Or you might hear this, times have changed. We've progressed. We don't have to live primitively anymore. It's deception It puts seeds of doubt in our mind. Well, maybe we have progressed past the Bible. Maybe it's not altogether true. Maybe there are things that really aren't there. Maybe, I'm, maybe I am misreading that. Oh, the Bible didn't really say that. No, no, no. That was a different time, different place. We're different now. Well, okay, maybe that's exactly what modern culture is attempting to do. It's the same deception from the very beginning. Here's the thing about Satan. He's very good at what he does but he only plays the hits, okay? He only knows three chords on the guitar. But he can play every song, but he only knows the three chords. If we can learn what that chord progression is, which is what we're doing today, then we've taken a lot of teeth out of his bite, so to speak, because he's a serpent, right? So it makes sense. The first thing he does is to deceive. He did it then, he does it now. The second step in the strategy that Satan tries to get us to fall is distract, he deceives and then he attempts to distract. He's sort of like an evil magician. Satan's like, look over here. and Then he kicks you down the hill. You know, that sort of thing. He did look, well, look what's over here. And then he, you know, shoves you down the mountain. It's, that's what Satan tries to do. Because what does he do here? He gets Eve's focus on the 0.1% that God says you can't do instead of the 99.9% of everything that they could have. It's, it's distraction. Look at this one thing. It's just like talking to your kids. You tell them not to do something. What are they going to do? That one thing that you just said not to do. So he, let's play reverse psychology. I'm going to try this. Hey, my kids, don't listen for just a second. Okay? So if I tell them not to listen, now they will. You see how that works? It's great. So uh, that's a bonus. Kim, you listen too. Because we, to, we have to be on a united front here. We're going to try to trick our kids into doing what we want by telling them not to do something we don't want them to do. Does that make sense? You're not listening right now. Don't listen for just a second. Even though you're running the slides, just don't listen for a second. Do you think that would work? Maybe. I mean, it's gonna work at least as good as when you try to tell them not to do something because they do that anyway. That's how Satan works. Again, he's playing the hits. Sin is always a distraction. Always. Because we have so much freedom in Christ to live you know, that's what Paul says, we have so much freedom here, but what Satan does is he gets us focused on the 0.1% of things, really, that God's like, don't do that, and here's the thing, it's not just because God says so, okay, parents, I, try not, I probably use that line a couple of times, I really try not to, but sometimes, it's just all you got, you know, it's either me doing that, or, you know, what, something terrible, anyway, so, I'm really used to talking to a camera, guys, this is intimidating today, not really, not re- okay. So, it's just, I'm, I'm getting distracted, is what I'm doing. Satan's working right now because he's distracting me from what I'm trying to say. <laughs> no. So, uh, anyway, so we have so much freedom in Christ to live, and yet what Satan does is hey, what about that one thing? Well, it's, it's sinful. I know, but wouldn't that be great if you could do that? Wouldn't that be so much fun if God would let you do that? Or he'll, you know, then he'll put the two things together. He'll distract you into this one thing and then lie about it. Well, God won't really care if you do that. He, Well, yeah, he will. He's already said he would. No, he really won't. It's okay. Whatever. He puts these two things together. Satan is very sneaky in that he deceives and then he distracts to get us to fall. It's the same thing that happened in the garden. It's the same thing that happens today. Get our mind off of what we can do and onto what we can't do and then lie about it, right? That's what Satan does. And there's a third step that is maybe the worst of all, and it's the one that we see very clearly in in our world right now. The third step of this Satan's strategy to get us to fall is divide, division. So Satan, if you notice, he came to Eve and talked to her alone, right? He divided the couple. They've been together all this time. It's just the two of them. And then the first thing he does in this deception and in this uh, distraction is division, Because Satan knew that they're going to be more vulnerable to his strategy when they're separated, when they're isolated. Division is part of his strategy. Let's look at verse 6, Genesis 3, verse 6. So it says, The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her. And he ate it too. I always loved that part because it lets you know she wasn't like off doing something different, doing something on her own. They're pretty much there together and still Satan used division to get between them, to corner her, to get her to fall. Division is part of this strategy. And this divide and conquer strategy worked, didn't it? Because she ate of the fruit. She gave in to this temptation because she was isolated. She didn't have Adam to say, wait, wait, wait. No, God did say this. He didn't, she didn't have a backup here. It had no accountability, had no reminder, had no tap on the shoulder. She's on her own. She's isolated. She's been divided. And then it worked on the other side too because now husbands buckle up. Adam had someone to blame for his problem. Because what happens is, wives well, i looking at your husbands that way. It's not right. No. So, God then, of course, finds out they've eaten the fruit. Now they know between good and the evil, they are ashamed of what they've done. They hide from God, as if you can do that. And then God finds them. You know, where'd you guys go? He, he knows where they are. And, but he has a conversation with them. And here's what he says. Let's skip down to verses 11 and 12. Who told you that you were naked, the Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? The man, that's Adam, replied, men never say this, okay? It was the woman you gave me who gave me the fruit, and I ate it. And Adam died that day. No, he didn't. No. <laughs> Eve's like, yes, yeah, stuff that Adam. No. But he has someone now to blame. This, the divide and conquer strategy worked on Eve initially, and now it's worked on Adam in a secondary way. Now he can point fingers. Now he can place blame. Now this wonderful couple has been divided. Satan's strategy worked. And can I tell you, it works Today, I don't know if you've seen the news the last two or three months, last two or three weeks. This strategy works today. Satan attempts to divide us on so many different fronts, so many different issues that should in fact unite us. But he uses this strategy to wiggle in and say, nope, we're going to make this group here and we're going to divide you here and we're going to divide that division here and we're just going to have everybody at each other's throats all the time, always arguing, always posturing, always thinking that we're better than someone else or that we're not as good as someone else. This division strategy works and it's in the headlines of our news every single day. Our country is divided. That is not a political statement. That is a spiritual statement. When churches are divided, which thank God that doesn't describe us, we're going to two services, not because we're divided, okay? Uh, that division in churches works. It's not a doctrinal statement. That's a spiritual statement. When families break up and fall apart and crumble in our society, it's not a relational statement. It's a spiritual statement. It's always, it always goes back to the original strategy because Why? It works so well. It's so effective. It's so easy to do that. So if it works, he's not going to stop until it stops working. This this deceive and distract and this divide strategy works. The question though is to what end? To what end does that strategy work? What is the ultimate goal here? What's the result of the fall? It's simply Death and destruction. Now, I I just got deep and dark really fast, but that's Satan's idea. Innocent fruit, death. It's like there's not 17 steps in between. It's like boom, boom. Fruit, death. It's that fast. It's that quick. This strategy is so good and so effective, it goes there really fast. And we see here, that's what happened with Adam and Eve. They were removed from the garden because this tree of life that kept them living forever, basically, they couldn't do that anymore. So they're removed from this paradise and their basic judgment is eventual death, which would never have happened without this fall. So death and destruction was the goal and is still the goal. Here's what Jesus says in John 10, verse 10. He says, The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Satan's strategy is the same for your life that it was for Eve and for Adam. He means to destroy your life. Every area of your life, he wants to decimate. Every relationship, he wants to ruin. Everything that happens to you, he wants it to crumble and fall. And that's in the life now. And then ultimately what he wants is separation from God, isolation from God. That's his ultimate goal. And he's really, again, he's very good at what he does. So he wants to ruin your life now and put in jeopardy the life that is to come. He wants to keep you isolated from others. He wants to keep you believing his lies. He wants to keep you living a distracted life, chasing after the 0.1% of things that are going to ruin your life Instead of a 99.9% of the things that are going to bring health and life and hope to your life. And ultimately, again, he wants us to be separated from God, both now and eternally. That's the end game. That's the result. That's the goal. So, and that's bad, Right? It's kind of scary to think about that. that's, that's who we're up against. It's not your neighbor with a different political view. It's not a person, a, you know, across town that looks different or behaves different. I mean, that's not the enemy here. That's why Paul says we don't fight against flesh and blood. It's spiritual in nature, and it's part of this plan from the beginning. And so what's, what's the answer to this? What's the solution? The simple answer is divine intervention divine intervention. What does that really mean? Let's look at two, one more verse from Genesis 3, Genesis three fifteen. So after they sin and they fall, God basically puts a curse on everything, the planet, the people, everything is cursed. Here's what God says. He says, I will cause hostility between you and the woman, talking to the serpent, and between your offspring and her offspring, he will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Now, this is not talking about killing snakes when they bite you, although I would recommend that. Uh, What this is actually is the first ever prophecy in the Bible concerning Jesus. The first prophecy ever in the whole Bible God gives himself about his own plan for what has just happened. Here's the great thing, the cool thing, the amazing thing about God. God already had the plan before the problem ever happened. That's how great God is. It's the same in your life. Whatever problem you have, guess what? God saw that a while ago, and he's got the solution already waiting in the wings. I can't see it. You can't see it. We could never sometimes see how we're going to get out of a situation, but can I just encourage you? Genesis 3.15 shows us God has the plan figured out before the problem ever comes. He did he did it in this case he did it for the entire world because what again who knows before we put it up here who knows any kids first who who knows what John 3:16 says Jackson you know it you're cheating he's got the <laughs> he's got the he's got the thing there with the words on it okay you okay you earned that one so go ahead and just put it up there and read it for everybody go ahead Nice job. Way to go, Jackson. All right. <sighs> Public school. Teacher Dad did a great job the last two months of the f- fifth grade. All right. Um, so, again, the result of the fall is death and destruction. That's the end game. It, for, for Satan, it is a zero sum game, it's all or nothing for him. But then the result that God had was even, it was immeasurably better. He said, how I'm going to send my own son, my eternal second person of who I am, uh, down to earth to fix all this, and he's going to do it. And that's exactly what happened. So Jesus took our sin on the cross. He took your sin on the cross upon himself, even though he never, scripture says, never committed a sin, he took it upon himself for us. That's pretty amazing. And then he rose from the dead, which is equally, it's impossible to even fathom that happened, but it did. It's a historically recorded fact. Uh, Multiple eyewitnesses saw the result of that moment on Easter Sunday 2,000 years ago. And he reconnects us to God. He gives us newness of life that Satan means to take from us. Jesus gives it to us the the separation from god that satan tries to pull pull us away through sin through the fall jesus reconnects us to god through himself he is the glue that holds everything in the universe together and so you may find yourself maybe you've strayed maybe you've distanced you've socially distanced from god during this quarantine can i just encourage you jesus is there to put that thing back together No mistake that you've made takes you too far from him. No fall that you've had in your life is is too great that Jesus can't cover that distance. That's what he did. He came from heaven to earth. He can cover a lot of ground. And that's what he did for all of us. So even even if we fall, when we fall, because we will fall... More than just the one time, okay? If you've lived long enough, you know that that's true. Jesus is the glue that brings us back to God, that keeps us connected to him. It's that relationship with the Son of God that brings us connection to him. And that's really our strategy against Satan's strategy. It's the blood of Jesus Christ that covers our sin, that makes us makes us adopted sons and daughters of God. Even though we've sinned against him, he says, hey, I made a way for you and I want to spend all of time with you now in eternity. I want you to have that relationship and he made that way possible through Jesus. That strategy to defeat Satan is found in and only in Jesus. Let's pray today. God, we all know that we're imperfect people. We all know that we're frail. We all know that we have issues. We all know that we deal with sin. We might call it something else, but ultimately that's what this issue is. It's a sin problem. It's this disease of the soul. It's a disorder of the inward person. And there is nothing that we can do about that in and of ourselves. And really, we, we look at these, this same strategy we talked about today is still at work in our hearts and in our lives and in our world today. This deception that we see This distraction that we see, the division that we see, it's all a strategy of Satan to work in our lives, to do all he can do to destroy everything about us and everything around us and everything inside of us, to separate us from God. So God, I thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross, to take our place on our cross for our sin. Even though you were innocent, you took that upon yourself and we thank you for that. You took our sin off of us and put it on yourself that we can find forgiveness and freedom in God, that we can find newness of life in him. And I thank you that we have that hope of new new life and eternal life because you didn't just stay dead, but you rose from the dead to give ultimate victory to us and you bring that reconnection back to God. We may feel distant, we may feel alone, but you bring that connection to us. We may feel distant, but you bring that connection to us. If we put our faith in you as we live for you, imperfectly, yes, but as an adopted child of God, we have that assurance that we are connected to you through your son, Jesus. I thank you for that miracle. I thank you for that promise that we have that even before the problem happened, you had the solution ready to go, waiting in the wings. We honor you. We thank you today for that assurance, that hope, and that newness of life that we have through Jesus. So God, I pray that as we leave this place today, you'd keep us safe, that you would give us a sense of joy and wonder in who you are and all you've done for us, and bring us back next time ready for more of you. In Jesus' name, amen.